0: All right, well, we're working hard today. Uh, It's a good day to be together and to worship together at Mosaic Church. Uh, If you're visiting with us, my name is John McHale, and I get to serve as one of the pastors at Mosaic and consider it a a real honor to pastor the people of Mosaic, and they're very dear to my heart. Uh, And we're gonna finish this week a series in life together. We've been taking the last three weeks to consider what does it look like to cultivate life together? Our mission statement is that we exist to cultivate life in Christ, life together, and life on mission. And it's not the, the truth uh, of these categories that we're cultivating, the spiritual experience of these. So life together, Jesus has created a family, a new family, a new covenant community. We are sons and daughters of God, and that makes us brothers and sisters in the family of God. That's not what we're cultivating. What we're cultivating is realizing that experience and that reality. Um, but the reality is everyone, everyone wants life together. Everyone wants to be a part of a vibrant community, a community where there's generosity, a community where you feel like you belong, a community where you're known and are knowing those that are walking similar paths to you. Some at Mosaic have discovered that, and will continue to tell stories about how God is bringing people together and building strong connection, and then using that to reflect God's love to our city. But some of you have experienced challenges. If you're visiting with us, maybe maybe you've experienced challenges in your own Christian life. Challenges to connect, to join a group, or to build relationships with people. And if the last two years was anything, it was challenging for cultivating life together, right? Zoom, what a terrible way to cultivate human connection. Zoom, totally disembodied. And we're learning and we're growing. And we've been asking the question how do we cultivate life together? The work of cultivation is, I mean, it's hard work. you got to get on the ground, in the dirt, and till the soil. You're going to start to sweat. Maybe you might need to take a splitting mall or an axe. You find some big old roots down there, and you gotta—you got to go down deep, depending on what you're planting. You plant it, you nurture it, you prune it so that it blossoms. Cultivation is hard work. You're going to have to take a shower after you're done. And the invitation this month and this series is let's get busy working together in the work of cultivating life together at Mosaic. And we've been looking at some passages in the Bible. How can the Bible help us in this work of cultivation? We saw the first week in Acts 2, the picture of the early church and this vibrant Community. And Luke writes in verse 2 or chapter 2, verse 42, that the, the early believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And we learned that life together is actually a way of life. It's not a transaction. It's something that we need to commit to. It's a way, a lifestyle of devotion to God's word and to one another. The kind of commitment and perseverance that is going to push through conflict, that's going to push through inconvenience, and that life together starts with one disciple committing to this. That as they engage the church, as you get involved in Mosaic, that you are gently and humbly entering those spaces with a heart of devotion for the people around you, because you have been challenged by God's word. You've been driven time and time again to grow in the fruits of the spirit, to love your brothers and sisters and to cultivate beautiful, rich community. Then we looked at Galatians 6 and looked at one of the essential ministries of life together, bearing one another's burdens, moving towards one another in love, and then there there actually is this moment as you ask questions and dig in, as someone is walking through something hard, there is this weight that you take upon your shoulders. Emotional weight, spiritual weight. But there's a line. Move towards one another in love, but don't move in. Don't try and take a burden from someone because you have been given responsibilities in your own life. And then this week, we're going to look at a passage uh, in John 13, and so this is a really infamous passage, and it's the beginning of a, a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. It's their final night together, and Jesus is teaching and preparing. He's, he's helping them. He's front-loading what they're going to need as they enter into probably the, the days that are be the most challenging in their new life as disciples of Jesus. And he starts the whole, the whole night with an object lesson. He washes the disciples' feet, and it becomes this object lesson for the way of the cross. And ultimately, he tells about the betrayal of Jesus. And it's at that point that we find ourselves in the passage we're going to read, John 13, verse 31 to 35. If you want to turn there and follow along, it'll also be on the screen. And after I read this, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And we do this every week. I'll invite you to respond, thanks be to God. And this is a way that we together confirm that God is is speaking to Mosaic Church through this, this word, that it's relevant for our life that it brings life and spiritual nourishment in the person of Jesus. And so let's read verse 31 to 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, children, Please help us as we look to your word. Give us hungry hearts to obey. Hungry hearts uh, to admit places where we are um, resisting the work of the Spirit. Where we are rejecting a brother or sister. And would you just teach us and equip us by your mercies. And in the power of the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. So as, as Judas leaves, Jesus has predicted that one of his followers is going to betray him. One of his friends, a man that he has devoted time and energy to, he leaves, Judas leaves, ultimately to go betray Jesus, and Jesus begins talking about glory. Glory. He says, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. When we Think about glory. Glory is is literally the manifestation of importance. The word has this idea of heavy. It's a weightiness. It represents significance, importance. And when the Bible talks about the glory of God, it's talking about a declaration or a reflection of God's importance in all of creation. That God is supreme in his importance as the creator and savior of all things. But why is Jesus talking about glory? Judas is leaving to go betray him. Jesus is heading to the cross. What, glory? How is this glorifying to Jesus and to God? Well, there's two ways that God is glorified in the person of Jesus. Glorified in his life and glorified in his death. Jesus shows us what God is like in a way that we can understand. As Jesus takes on flesh and comes and lives next door, he takes on flesh and comes to the earth and lives a life of perfect obedience. He lives a life of godliness. He lives a life of sacrifice. He shows us what God is like. And oftentimes, what we thought God is like is actually not... Aligned with who God is. And Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. But also, there is this foreshadowing happening in the words of Jesus here for the cross, his death the place where he purchases our salvation. Jesus is glorified in walking the road to the cross. As he denies his rights, he denies his power, he denies his authority, so that he could purchase our salvation and glorify his heavenly father. This is to his glory. And he, he, he signals this. He, he helps the disciples understand that this is, you're going to feel like this is to my shame, but it's actually to my glory. And he continues to prepare and teach. And he gives this command, this new commandment, to love one another. This is a new commandment. Just as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. This is the way that the people of God carry on the ministry of Jesus in their moment. And this is how we, Mosaic Church, carry on the ministry and testimony for Christ in the city of Richardson. By loving one another. By serving one another. By treasuring one another. And devoting our lives to cultivating this life together. Now, a couple thoughts on this Command. This is not a new idea. The Old Testament, one of the key commandments in the Old Testament was to love your neighbor as yourself. This idea of loving others, it's not new. But what is new is the reality that the love Jesus is talking about, the love that you and I are supposed to have for one another, ought to be aligned with the life and ministry of Jesus. It ought to have some resemblance of the sacrificial death that Jesus has secured our salvation with. It's not a love that resembles our feelings. It's not a love that resembles our personality style or our love language. It's not a love that is convenient or maybe even scheduled. It's a love that resembles Jesus, the heart and person of Jesus Christ. And we all know it when we see it. You see someone There's an interruption in their schedule, and they show up. They don't even think twice. I'm there. There is a move towards others in love and mercy. Just as I have loved you, you also should love other. Now, this is clarified in two ways. First, the immediate context. We can't miss the object lesson that Jesus, like just a few verses back, has just done. And John is, is very, very vivid in the way he describes it. You can, as he tells it, you can almost like, you can feel him like going back into that, that moment where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This love commandment, what, what is abstract in the love commandment, is, it's practiced in Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Listen to the way John describes it in John 13. He says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a to- towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that he wrapped around him. He goes on to say, if I am your Lord and teacher, and I'm the one getting on my knees in the dirt, washing your stinky, dirty feet, if, if I am doing that, then you also should do that for one another. He's not talking about literally washing each other's feet, though, I mean, that might be a helpful experiential education thing to do. He's talking about a figurative washing of one another's feet. It's a heart posture, the posture of a servant. And what we find, Jesus really helping the disciples understand and what we need to understand about loving one another is that there is no act of service that is beneath a disciple of Jesus. Regardless of your position, regardless of your reputation, regardless of wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, There is no act of service that is beneath a disciple of Jesus. But it it also is clarified further in the way it foreshadows his death. This command, loving one another, just as Jesus has loved his disciples, it also is clarified further in the sacrifice of Jesus, who was willing to to deny. If there was ever anyone who, who had rights for a throne. If there was any, ever anyone on the earth who had rights to authority and power to influence, to some kind of building something great, it was Jesus. But he gives it away and goes to the cross and endures torture and execution. This is the great expression of God's love for sinners, is the offering of the life of Jesus for those who had rejected God And what we learn from this way it foreshadows the death is that the command to love one another, given to the disciples, it's given to them from a place of safety in the arms of the Father. Jesus ultimately secures salvation for these disciples in the same way he has for us and that this command is given to us as we inhabit the safety of the arms of Jesus. God the Father in the gospel is offering you full attention, affection, acceptance, reconciliation. He's pulling you in as a son and daughter. We're not orphans. That's what the song is trying to get at. We're sons and daughters of God. And so the, the cross and the washing of feet, it 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 helps us understand what it means to love one another. And a way to say it is this, that a disciple is called to a life of self-denial for the sake of others in the mess and stress of life. A self-denial for the sake of others in the mess and stress of life. What could this look like? I mean, there's a lot of ways that we could try and bring practicality to this heart posture that we have towards one another this is a way that we cultivate life together is by denying ourselves for the sake of serving each other even when it's inconvenient right we all like life is hard it's messy you come take a look at my house i got dirty dishes all over the place got piles and stuff but I'm called to deny myself for the sake of others. And so maybe it's taking a meal to someone who's had a baby or had a surgery. But even going a step further and just saying, hey, I, like I'm glad that I was able to bring this meal to you, but like is there anything else I can do for you? Maybe I do your laundry. I mean, that would help me. Right? Any takers? Any takers? But that gets at kind of the, the discomfort of how the disciples were feeling when Jesus was washing their feet. What if, hey, I, maybe you're going out of town. Could I, like, mop your floors? Wash, clean your house for you? I mean, there, there are practical ways that we can love one another and serve one another in a way that, that is inconvenient. But it's also a heart posture towards one another. Maybe you have ongoing conflict with another sister in the church. It's a a preserving love that says, I'm going to endure because I love you, and I want to bear witness to the love of God. Maybe it looks like learning how to write text messages that are just a blessing. I mean, it's really simple stuff. Maybe it's just a text. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while, and I'm so glad you're a part of our church. I'm thinking and praying for you. I want you to know that you're not forgotten. That, that I'm thinking of you and you are just a treasured part of our church. Can you imagine if you got a text like that? If you were on a bad day, it would be really great. But on a good day, it'd be pretty sweet too. Now, some have, some have taken issue with this command. Some have questioned. How, how can you order someone to love another person? Like, How can you even command that, right? If love comes from the heart, if love is about desire, how can you order someone to do that? And there's a a scholar on the Gospel of John and and the ministry of of the Apostle John who said something really helpful uh, in one of his writings on this, this command. He says, unless one has a profound experience of being loved, it is virtually impossible to express profound love for one another. That's the ticket right there, right? Love is a choice. Love is an act of the will. But if it's only that, it's it's not going to go the distance, like Rocky biting the Russian. It's not going to endure. It's not going to persevere. Only if a person has had a profound experience of being loved by God, will they know and be able to love other brothers and sisters and go the distance? And so it begs the question for us at Mosaic that if we're really going to be about cultivating the work of life together, we need to be a people that are experiencing day after day, month after month, year after year, the love of God. When was the last time that happened for you? Has it happened? And we're we're just, I mean, I I don't want to present this as kind of like this mountaintop experience. Whenever you're in the Bible and wisdom is unveiled and it guides you and helps you in a situation, that's the love of God. Maybe as you sing, or hear a worship song and you are stirred. You you recognize God's presence in that moment. That is the love of God. This is why we organize groups. This is why we're launching D groups to provide an opportunity for people who haven't had it to talk about these experiences and to say, I want to experience more of God's presence. The Christian faith is heaven breaking into our earthly existence. And we want, to, we want to cultivate that. And as we live a lifestyle of discipleship, we learn and experience that more and more, and then our love for one another can grow. Our love for one another can be more, more pointed. And when you have a church filled with men, women, and children that are experiencing God's love on a regular basis. And then they're extending that to the brothers and sisters. When you see that, there is something beautiful about it. It is a witness and a testimony to God's love for sinners. And Jesus, he identifies this in verse 35 by this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for one another and the way we relate to one another does not terminate in the church. It grows, it blossoms, it bears this beautiful witness to the love of God. It glorifies God, it tells the world God is the most important person in all of creation. And it's worth knowing him. And his love is powerful enough to change the way I relate to these people. And what people outside, they look at a a community of people that are vibrantly loving one another and serving one another and jumping over walls to love one another, crawling over glass to serve and love one another. They say, wow, that is weird. There is something going on there. And they they bear witness. This love they talk about of God for sinners, there must be something there. Life together becomes a beautiful witness to Christ and his message. Because life together becomes this platform for the church to then proclaim the message of the cross and declare Christ has come and he has died and set us free of our sin and made a way for reconciliation with God by faith. And it's going to change your life if you want it to. This is what God is calling us to in the work of cultivating life together. To learn the way of life, to build strong bonds with one another so that we can be a shining beautiful witness to Christ and his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word and uh, I, I don't know where we would be without it. Lost in the dark. Trying to figure out how to live for you. You've given us your word. You have created a way to reconciliation in the person and work of Jesus and we're thankful. Stir up our hearts for to be more thankful. We want, it, like, we want it to be flowing from within our bones. And would you just give us favor as we work to cultivate life together at Mosaic Church? Hmm. Pour out your spirit upon us in the name of Jesus and the power of the spirit, I pray. Amen.